Welcome everybody, it's Footy and Frothies. It is our awards ceremony tonight. Uh, we've looked back on our semi-final footy. You can find that on the uh, Spotify show, but we've had the we've got the had the Dally M's for Time Memorial. Tonight's the launch of the Dag M's. We're going to look towards the top ten players and most importantly the best player in the competition. In our humble opinion, over twenty five rounds, we're also going to touch on our thoughts on the uh, the big the big uh, performers of the year. Uh, Points-wise, coaching-wise, rookie-wise, buying-wise, and uh, a few things in between. Look back on the season. It was Ross. Coming up, going to have a look back on the bottom eight next week. We've post-banded a week because Barnes been a bit crook. And then uh, review the top eight as we get deeper into it. Uh, a bit coming up. And then our bold prediction show, which is a lot of fun, where we basically get drunk and make stupid-ass predictions about what's going to happen next season which we do most weeks. But uh, anyway, Bayani, Daggy, Ollie with you to look forward to awards night. Now, for a quick recap to launch, should we kick off with an award or should we kick off with some stats? We might start with an award, actually, just to to get us into the groove here. Let's do that. Ollie, who was your yes. buy of the season in season 2021? Okay, so I, I'm thinking... You blokes might both have Isaiah Papali'i, who was very good, but I've actually gone with someone else. In terms of a bargain buy, definitely. Mm-hmm. I've actually gone for Adam Fanua Blake mm. from the Warriors. He has just reinvented that four-pack completely. Obviously, Ben Murdoch-Masilla's also come in, and Ewan Aiken was eventually moved to second row as well. But he's been the catalyst for that change, and... Every single week he's gone out there for the Warriors. He spent some time out injured, but he's just been amazing for them and consistently puts in big performances. Averaged 160 run metres per game, made 393 tackles for an efficiency rate of 96.8%. Now, I write articles a fair bit, as we all know, and I I like to look at players' stats and record players' stats uh, within articles when I'm talking about them. And this is just about the best tackle efficiency rate I have seen this season. There's probably someone who's got a bit better, but in terms of the games he's played, he's played 15 games to maintain that and have such a good defensive record is huge as well. Um, And it showed for the Warriors. He's definitely been their best defender all year. So for me, he's the buy of the season. The Warriors, hopefully for them, can capitalise on that in the coming years and he can be a part of a successful period for the club. Barney. No, as Ollie said, um, he expects us to have Isaiah Papali, and I definitely have Isaiah Papali as the best buyer of the year. He's come from being a bit part player at the Warriors, where he was um, he had a couple of flashes of brilliance in the in the last probably twelve to eighteen months before he was signed with Parramatta, but he has absolutely gone well above and beyond his station in life at the time when he signed for Parramatta. He signed on. Uh, quite a low base contract from what uh, from what I know and he has put out close to the best second rowers performance week in and week out for that Parramatta side he was uh, he just continually there for hit ups he's got a decent offload he runs over the top of blokes scores tries and he's quite good as a defensive back rower as well to me he's been the best buyer of the season I you've, you've taken my one and two, you blokes. So <laughs> uh, I had Papi by the year, and obviously Fanua Blake second. So my third, and I'll just mention it 
uh, Dane Laurie, I think, is a fantastic buy. Uh, very Absolutely. astute buy getting to the Tigers. Gave them and it's some attacking flair through the middle. Uh, and uh, without him, I would dread to think just how many points the Tigers might have had in a more years. So he <laughs> is directly responsible for a big chunk of them. So I will make, by default, in third spot, Dane Laurie, my buy of the year. Now, let's run through some stats. We might do the leading point scorers for the year. Uh, I'll kick us away. So just our top couple here. Uh, leading point scorer, Ruben Garrick, 308, which is a club record and close to an NRL record, I believe. He's uh, in, a, in a club of three. We have Hazanel Masri and Brett Hodgson. Brett Hodgson, yep. Uh, second is Adam Reynolds, 256 points. Third, Nathan Cleary, 219 and uh, kudos to Adam Dewey finishing on fourth in 174 <laughs> in that awful, awful team. Barney. <laughs> we go down next to the, um, the top try scorers of the year. And surprise, surprise, it's Alex Johnson on the left-hand wing for South Sydney. Probably the most lethal attacking uh, position for any team for the entire season. And he's a brilliant finisher. He's got pace to burn and they've put him away 27 times this year. For his, Obviously, his tally of 27 tries. Uh, next two come from Manly and <laughs> you've got Jason Saab who played a lot of the year and without Tommy I think he would have scored about 15 tries but <laughs> you can add to an extra 10 to that tally and get Saab up to 25 tries and Tom Trevojevic 25 tries out of 15 games absolutely outstanding performance from those top three try scorers. I just want to quickly mention uh, David Fafita leading forward try scorer uh, for his 1.2 mil there. You must be You must be pretty happy at the end of the day before he's brought to the club, Ollie, or you expecting a little bit more there? Uh, I am happy because it's also a club record. It's the most tries any Titans player has scored in a single season as well. So fair play. And at, at least we're getting something, something out of the 1.25 million. So. And I want to also quickly mention Tupanua was second on the Ford list with 12. And uh, I don't know if he's officially a Ford anymore, but Brandon Smith, the cheese, 11 tries. Uh, <laughs> rounds out the double-figure try scorers from... A, those in the pack. Ollie, you going to take us away for the next stat? Yeah, so with goals, and this is a little bit of a surprising one for me, Adam Reynolds, 116 goals for the year. And you guys must be thinking, well, is Adam Reynolds a prolific goal kicker? Why is that a bit of a surprise? I just would have assumed it would have been Ruben Garrick just because of the points he scored. Obviously, a prolific try scorer too. Um, but Garrick is in second with 112. Nathan Cleary in third with 88. Now, I'm just... Presuming it, it's hypothetical, I would presume if Nathan Cleary was not out for that period injured, he very well could have topped this list. He would have at least got into 100. I, I you think would have he's, yeah, yeah, in hundreds very much so. Should we get to our next award? Yeah. Our Rookie of the Year, Ollie? This was actually a tough one. A lot of people are saying, and I agree, that this is the most stacked rookie class since 2005, 2004, 2005, especially because in recent years, the rookie of the year has been one and done. Well, what's been funny about this year is... weeks to go. Exactly. And it's actually been the back end of the season where they've come from. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because you brought him up before Dane Laurie. After five rounds, he's a shoe in for Rookie of the Year for me at least. And, of course, last year it was Harry all the way along and the year before that, Payne Haas. 
We've got multiple contenders this year, but I have gone with who I think's probably been the most consistent, and that's Josh Schuster from the Manly Ringer Seagulls. We also got to take into account, yes, he can play at second row, and I think last year when he played that, those couple of games, it was one of you blokes actually suggested that he would make a good second rower. He shifted there now seemingly full-time, and I think he does have the potential to shift back into the halves if need be, but you know, the ability to transition to that position and play as well as he has um, in that Manly Ford pack as well, which a lot of the time goes unnoticed due to the performances of your Tommies and your Cherry Evans, but he's been great. Barney, what are you doing? Yeah, well, absolutely. That was my number one too, to be honest, because in the years going forward, I can see that bloke being an absolute consistent performer. And I think he is the prototype for the the 13 that we've been well spoken about, someone with good footwork, good pace um, and good ball skills. So he was my number one. My number two is uh, Reese Walsh. Uh, obviously, a bit of a late bloomer, didn't get a start at the Broncos and it took for him to shift to the, the Warriors and um, actually RTS to graciously give up his position realistically for him to come into fullback. Uh, the way he can chime into a back line as such a young kid, he, he took a brunt of the attacking responsibility for that Warriors, that Warriors team for a good six to eight week stretch there and uh, consistently provided some very good attacking football for the Warriors. Someone that definitely you want to keep an eye on in the next few years. I can see him going uh, leaps and bounds ahead. But, yeah, Schuster would have been my one, but Reese Walsh should be my two. Uh, yeah, I, well, you, you've stolen my thunder too, and I've already mentioned <laughs> Dane Laurie, so by default he's here as well. But uh, I'll throw out uh, Josh Curran. Is he a rookie? Yeah, he, he only played two, two games, games, I, I think just it was, for the Roosters. So a couple of borderline ones, though, because, uh, yeah, one and two you stole. Actually, no, you know what? I'll go with Sam Walker. Uh, I mentioned it earlier on. If Sam Walker, the game Sam Walker iced this year, if he'd been in a team like the Warriors or the Tigers and was able to ice the games he did, including a semi final at the age of 18, uh, after getting bashed, and, and the theme through all these rookies is that they got hammered after a while. Reese Welsh absolutely copped it. Walker got belted. Uh, a few got ragdolled. But um, for the games he won for the Roosters, they wouldn't be where they are without him. And I'll give him Rookie of the Year. But uh, a, a fantastic class when you throw in your Currens, you throw in your Campbells, you throw in those sort of guys. Even, um, I actually just had a quick Google to see how eligible he was. But uh, only was only uh, two games out of being eligible for Rookie if we're using the five-game rule. So, okay. Um, Tremendous Guess class. You would be somebody up there as well. Oh, is it three, is it? It's three, yeah. Okay, then I was wrong. Sorry, I was thinking uh, it was five. Anyway, but a uh, fantastic class and looking forward to see where they all go next year. Uh, let's get back to some stats, though. Ollie, do you want to lead us away with the defensive stats here? Or the attacking stats, sorry. Let's the see. attacking, yeah. Uh, so, line breaks... Uh, we have a, a co co leader in that sense, uh, Ruben Garrick, who bit of a stat stat sheet stuffer, if you will, uh, and Alex Johnston, who of course is the top try scorer. Behind them in third is Tom Trevojevic with thirty line breaks in fifteen games, which is absolutely insane. And again, just quickly to mention, the leading forward line breaker is David Fafita. Uh, and if we'd have to go all the way down to, oh, wow, wrong way down here to find a Ford equivalent, <laughs> to Panur again, 14. Wow, there you go. Bit of uh, interest there. Post-contact metres, 
one for the uh, Supercoach Boffins here. The Bizza, Brian Tuo, leading everybody with uh, 1,747 post-contact metres from his 19 games. Daniel Tupu, <laughs> 1,717, which is magnificent. And then you get to your Fords. Haas, 1485. Papa Ihi, 1449. Isaiah, that is. And David Clemmer rounds out 1401. I will just quickly mention Tom Burgess at number six because he had a fantastic season, Barton. Absolutely, he did. And Daniel Tupu's, he's so underrated. It just, <laughs> for what he does, he, you know, he does just about the same amount of work as all these blokes that get raved on. Um, obviously, he doesn't score as many tries as a few of them, but there's, yeah. there's, there'll be a year that he does. The thing is, if you plug him at um, New South Wales winger, Australian winger, Anywhere yeah. in a comp, he will do a job and will not let you down in the slightest. We go down to try assists. Uh, this man's probably had the best year of his entire career. Uh, oh, and he missed tackle breaks. Hmm? And lines engaged. And lines engaged. <laughs> well, I'm looking at a completely different... Um, I'm obviously looking at a completely different no, right, than engaged. you guys are. So, so I'll quickly I'll mention lines. with try assists, so you can... Listen to try Go on, go for try go back there. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So obviously Cody Walker, the way that he comes across the line, if he's not breaking the line himself, he's setting up his outside men in Latrell and uh, Alex Johnson on that left-hand side with 33 try assists. Uh, again, Tom Trevojevic, we've all mentioned how good that bloke's gone this year with 27 uh, try assists. And then Daly Cherry Evans, which is one that surprised me, to be honest, with 26 in third position. No, he's, he's had a massive season. Round out your top five, Tedesco and Gutho there. Yeah, Tedesco on 21 and Clint Gutherson on 20. And just for the sake of it, I'll go down and find the top forward, which is actually, well, are we considering hookers forwards here? Reed Marnie, yes. 13. The Cheese. Uh, Josh Hodgson, 10. Cheese, 10. And okay. to find a forward forward. Wow, we're going right down here. <laughs> Josh Schuster, 8, would be the leading... Forward in my and that's yeah, another example of um, what we were saying before about Schuster. Uh, tackle breaks. I will quickly wrap up tackle breaks. Yeah. Get this one out of the way. For feeder, 155 tackle busts this season. James Cisco, 141. Jordan Rapiner, who's had a brilliant season, 138. Tuo, 118. Papa, he 107. Tommy Turbo, 107. Uh, let's get to our next award, though. Most improved player in the NRL this year. I, you know, I'm going to go first, and I'm going to say, oh, this is a tough one. I'll, I'll tell you my top three in order. Adam Dewey, and I don't want to be guilty of putting uh, Tigers on top, so Adam Dewey uh, has now become the Tigers' best player, uh, a first-class 5'8", a very good player. But I'm going to Parramatta, Reed Marnie. Tremendous hooker, but my most improved player for the for what he cops is Mitchell Moses. I think he's been tremendous all year. I think yeah, his nice. kicking game is as good as or comparable to anyone in the comp. And what he did in the weekend, I think, is it the little piece of the puzzle he never had. And for someone who's been very, very critical of him for a long time, I think he's an outstanding halfback now. And uh, I've got Mitch Moses as my most improved player. Um, who have you gone with, Mark? Yeah, nice. I didn't expect that from you, to be honest. <laughs> My most improved, uh, I've, I've circled three of them. And it's hard. I realistically wanted to go with Brian Toe. Um, I know he was already a gun winger, 
before the start of this season, but he's moved into the upper echelon and probably the best winger in the game, to be honest, especially with the way that he carries the ball back in and just does all the hard stuff and can finish just as well as anybody else. But realistically, the bloke that has improved completely out of sight to me is uh, Stefano Ikamanu. I know there was raps on him coming out of Parramatta, but he never showed anything um, while he was signed We just all forgot about him for Rookie of the Year, too. Rookie of the Year. <laughs> he... I think he played four or five games for Parramatta. Ah, there was. I think, it was yeah, I think he played one, yeah, well, two. Yeah, yeah. He did, yeah. yeah, but he um he was he had he's had wraps on him his entire career coming through. He was going to be the next big big thing for the last two years, to be honest. And he never got an opportunity at Parramatta. And the way that he has transformed from he was a bit part player at the start of the year. He was getting twenty minutes, um, yep. I think, for the first five or six rounds of the year. Started to make it up to 40 minutes. He's been pushing out 60 to 70 minutes for a lot of the games at the back end of this year. Got drafted ever since he got drafted into that New South Wales team and just had the experience of being around New South Wales in that third game. I think he's been close to the best prop prop for ever since Origin 3, to be honest. For the back end of this season, he has been as close to the best prop, if not the top three or four in the back end of this NRL season. And I've got, yes, Stefano Ukumano is my most improved player this year. Yeah, so I've gone with someone who has never been a bad player, but someone who I think's definitely had a career best year. Um, his impact on his side has been noticeable, and especially by us. I am genuinely going with the professor, Mark Nichols. I think he is—he has had an outstanding season. And at the start of the year, we were talking about how Sass in his forecast a little small. And at the time, he was a bench prop and a player who probably would have been in a bit of danger of actually being left out of the side at the start of the year to someone who's definitely... Uh, in in the starting seventeen now, and someone who has started many games this year. Well, he's a club uh, captain now. Point, club club captain in the last round of the season as well against the Dragons. And there was a story I'd heard um, earlier this year uh, out of the Rabbitohs, where apparently, in terms of at training, he is the guy who everyone try, wants to follow. He's easily the hardest worker, and that is shown on the field. Before this year, he's always still been that hard worker and a player who we, we, we at least appreciated, but now I feel like he's come more into the mainstream and has had more of that attention put on him. And I think, yeah, it, it, it definitely shows. So Mark Nichols. I like it. It's all about the education. Uh, should we get to some more stats? stat stoppers? Yeah, I'm on the website now, not the phone. So I've got all the rest of them. <laughs> Where are we going Kick now? off with offloads, Ollie. Kick off with offloads. That's belongs to David Nofaluma, a West Tiger, wow. leading the chase. But, of course, if a Tiger's got to be um, in the lead, they've got to be joined by someone. They can't just outright win this one because <laughs> he's joined yep. by the Penrith Panthers player, Tevita Pangai Jr., with 50 offloads for the season, followed in third by Junior Paulo of the Parramatta Reels on 46, then Christian Welch from Melbourne, 45, and David Fafita from the Titans on 44. Good to see TPJ up there for at least a stat this year after a really Absolutely. good season. Because he missed a bit of footy. Nofaluma astounds me, to be honest, because I'm... I'm guessing 20 of those are when he's going to be pushed into touch and he just threw the fucking thing where yes, it's <laughs> uh, Your LBAs, Barn. 
Line break assist goes back to the bloke that we mentioned who had the most line breaks for the. <laughs> I've already done the line breaks assist, haven't we? Can't I? No, I try, try assist. Try assist. <laughs> it's funny that the bloke with the most line break assist has the most try assists. <laughs> Again, the way that he floats across the defensive line, he seems to have spiders on him at times. And then when he does get the defense to commit, he can throw that either the short ball or the long ball to put his players away. It's Cody Walker with 44 line break assists. Tom Trevojevic, we're just going to keep saying his name for the rest of the night, I guarantee you that. And he had 35 line break assists. And uh, one that we, the other one that I was, the, the third one that I had circled for most improved this year was Nico Hines, uh, yeah. where he came from at the start of the year, again, being a bench player, possibly not even in the, the 17 for at the start of the year to come in and take Pappy's position while he was out. And he had 26 line break assists. Uh, and uh, I'm just going to punch through a couple quickly to get them out of the way. Uh, the two Braley brothers touched the ball more than anyone else in the, the NRL this year with 2,840 touches, uh, or receipts as we call them. Jaden Braley, uh, that was Blake. Bra- Jaden was second, 2637. Uh, kicking uh, two, three obvious ones choice. at the top. We'll punch through these. Nathan Cleary, 286 kicks for 8,842 kicks. Cherry Evans, 280. For 8,666 metres. And Mitch Moses, 269 kicks for 8,092 metres. DCE, Adam Reynolds, Ben Hunt led the 40-20 comp with three apiece. Very nice. Now, your pot plant of the year. I will go first and just give it to Charlie Staines, who somehow came into this year with a reputation of... Um, the greatest winger we'll ever see and uh, now isn't even in first grade, but uh, contributed very little in attacking metres, contributed very little in terms of much more than um, putting balls over the line on the back of very good pattern of plays. And um, God bless him. I'm sure he's a very nice human being. Uh, He might struggle to find a first grade spot in the years to come. Holly. I have gone with the Bulldogs' attack. (laughs) <laughs> as my pop plant of the year, especially towards the start of the year. They did get a bit better towards the end, but I remember we were branch and rave after every week about how boring they were in attack. Most teams who are crap and down towards the bottom of the ladder and winning the wooden spoon in attack are usually just full of errors and don't know what they're doing. And at least it's not boring. At least they're objectively the crap. And, yeah. and, and also we can laugh at them for how crap they are. The Bulldogs just made me want to fall asleep. That would be 10 metres out from the line. And off camera, you brought up that game against Penrith at Penrith Park um, that I was at. And I remember that was a a clear example of this. There were multiple occasions in that game where the Bulldogs had a full set. They'd get a set restart 10 metres out from Penrith's line. They wouldn't make a mistake or anything to lose momentum. They just did nothing with the ball for probably five minute periods. And then I think they'd kick it into the end goal. And I think they got a few repeat sets and that's why Penrith only won 24 nil. Cause the Bulldogs just had the ball up there in for about 30 minutes and did nothing, just absolutely nothing. Didn't try to do anything. And, and this is a reflection of, I'd say most of the first half of their season and the majority of the season itself, as I said, they did get a bit better, but just doing absolutely nothing with the ball, not even trying to get it out to the wingers or anything, sort of just punching through. And it was just boring. The defense, the defenses they were up against weren't even necessarily good. Uh, that's all I can say. They were boring. And if you had 13 pot plants out there on the field, you'd probably get the exact same result. So 
Um, mine was Corey Allen. I, I mentioned him probably six or seven times during the year as pot plant of the entire round. Like from being, from how hot he was at the back end of last year in a, in a humming South Sydney attack line, uh, playing fullback, obviously he's gone to the wing, which is a bit different, but he doesn't come looking for work. Uh, the amount of errors he's had where he's had, he's been given, he wasn't given a lot of decent ball, but just about every time he was given decent ball, he either dropped it or fucked it up and threw it <laughs> over the sideline or he's just missing tackles left, right and centre. There's a player in there, but this season he's he was close to the worst player in the NRL. Does he make their first grade team next year? Uh, he's going to struggle. With Shoop there and then uh, obviously the, all the cavalry coming in. Very interesting. Uh, let's get to some defensive stats. Mm. Leading tacklers this year, Jaden Braley, 1,092 tackles. McCulloch, uh, 1,010. Cook, Blake Braley, Robson rounded out. The only non-hooker in the top 10 <laughs> is Alex Twile. The only and then, nice. and then we get to Mitch Barnett at number eleven, uh, Toby Rudolph number thirteen, Josh Jackson number fourteen with seven eighty six, uh, and uh, hookers fill the rest of that. Tolman so, and Jake, yeah, and Tolman and Jake. So um, some very very uh, honest workhorses in that stats. Barney, Absolutely. I will hand you the missed tackle statistics. <laughs> Do I really want to look I at it? have done this. That's right, Kiko. <laughs> uh, where are we? Missed tackles. So the top missed tackler of this year, surprise, surprise, to be honest, was Scott Drinkwater. Shout out to Gump. Yeah, I, to Gump. I was just looking the, for his other man, is number 11, but I'll let Barney. Considering the amount of tackles that the bloke makes, um, he dead set misses 20% of tackles in every game that he plays. You come down to Toby Rudolph yeah, with 90 missed tackles, but he was also, what, 12th in the most tackles made. So yep. there's some sort of conversion rate there that you can look at. You come down to Satili Tupanua with 84, and a lot of that's been the back end of this year, to be honest, because he was quite good mm. up until probably around 16. I don't know what's happened since then, but he's missed a lot of tackles recently. Um, Liam Martin, which is one... You can see it each week, but when he does put on a shot, it's generally a, a good shot, but you can see him slip off quite a few tackles. And Luke Brooks, not a surprise for a half to be in that um, in the in the table at all. But, yeah, Drinkwater has got to be close. Well, he obviously is the worst defender in the NRL at the moment. Uh, the defence to Satili is he's lost a lot of partners in crime and uh, True. On, bo- on all sides. He's lost his centres, he's lost his props, he's lost... Uh, but still, there he is. Ollie, take us away yes. with... Uh, Charge downs or interceptions? Oh, no, run through quickly both, just quickly. Yeah, uh, so charge downs, Viliami Kikau from the Panthers with four in second place. Um, the unwanted Tarek Sims <laughs> at the Dragons. Um, Sean Lane, Kurt Capewell and Mitch Rain from the Titans uh, round out the rest of the top five with two. All right, let's get to... Oh, I'll quickly touch on intercepts. DCE led the comp with six intercepts, and offered them a four. Running uh, all runs. Tupanua, 400... Uh, not Tupanua. Daniel Tupo, 466 run metres from Gutho, four, five, uh, or I should say individual runs. Led yes. Gutho from four five two two oh four three three, Teddy four one nine, 
and Rapana 402. Barn, quickly do the run meters. And we'll yeah, run meters, our man. Again, Brian Toto with 4,707 meters. And you go down to Daniel Tupu with 4,470. Gutherson with 4,013. Down to Teddy, who touches the ball a thousand times a game with 3,870 meters. And Ruben Garrick with 3,868. And early kick returns. Kick return meters. We've got Clint Gutherson, 1,629, which I don't think is too surprising, uh, seeing the effort that he, at least for the most of the season, puts in coming out of the back end. Dylan Edwards from the Panthers, 1,402 in second. Valentine Holmes from the Cowboys, 1,307 in third. And Will Bubba Kennedy and Ruben Garrick round out the top five. Good to see Will Kennedy in a top five for stats as well. I think he's had a great year for Cronulla. Yes, very good. Uh, first grade fullback. Your moment of the year, boys. What comes to mind? The first thing that came to my mind was State of Origin 1. Uh, the absolute onslaught from Tommy Trevojevic and Latrell Mitchell. The two New South Wales centres put on an absolute display of how to play attacking football and tore Queensland apart. Uh, every time they touched the ball, Queensland were absolutely <laughs> shivering in their boots and for good reason, because every, every time they touched the ball, they did something. There was some pretty amazing plays, and every time, if it wasn't amazing, it was pretty damn good. So that was my moment of the season. I'm going to make my moment of the season. Mo Fodder Wakers. There's two Mo point, two Mo moments <laughs> of the season. Uh, him chasing down that chip uh, or the kick from 40 meters to score under the posts. And outrun uh, that myth, Jaden Campbell was one of them, and then the game where he single-handedly won can uh, won in the game against Canterbury, where he made a forty-meter bust and put AJ under the post. So Mo Fotawaker, it just wins my moment of the year because it's, it's Mo. <laughs> which maybe, there's a new order, just sort of which we're having to say. Maybe the Titans shift him to fullback next year. Maybe they will, and it is the Daggy. <laughs> it is this whole start, the whole thing daggy started from most, the Daggy Mo's, but. Uh, <laughs> What have you got, Ollie? Yeah, so this one's actually a bit of a, a somber one. It, it's a memorable moment. It's not necessarily good, but it's also the first one that jumped out to me, and, and it's meaningful too. It's actually um, after Brett Morris's injury in Newcastle, uh, back in the sheds after the game. He's obviously so emotional as a result of you know, his career ending. It wasn't confirmed at that point, but he knew. And just his brother Josh consoling him. Yeah. Often today we see in rugby league um, calls that players don't really care about the game, um, that, you know, they're only in it for the money, et cetera. But I think this is probably one of the most genuine moments you can get of a player just letting it all out or because of rugby league, because he's just lost um, his chance to play the game he loves. And you can tell that both the Morris boys love it. And it, it's just, you know, the fact that Josh was there for him as well in a weird way, it probably won't be remembered till the end of time, but I don't know. It's just a moment that sticks out to me and it's, again, a somber one, but a meaningful one and a representation of the type of guys that both the Morris brothers are and the love and passion that they have for rugby league and them as players will certainly uh, never be forgotten. I think it's a beautiful thing because we get wrapped up in stats and we get wrapped up yeah. in, in stuff like that and I think if we're going to keep going as a podcast and be constructive, I would love to do a sort of a... <laughs> if not a humanitarian side, a, a side like that where we can 
talk about some some stuff where it touches you as a human, uh, and yeah. and we can talk about it. And the extent of that is, uh, I guess, the moments we've all had at the be at the pub or over Zoom, yeah. and just how much in a pandemic we've been able to get closer to blokes that necessarily we didn't really know. Um, yeah. Shout out to Danan and guys that haven't. Um, that have been part of it, but we've been able to do, you know, yeah. Zoom, watch the game, th- watch Super Sad Days during a pandemic where we're not allowed to do anything, but had 10 blokes on a Zoom chat and had a lot of fun with that. And uh, if, if you really think about, and it wasn't until you mentioned that, if you really think about how how Rugby League has given me moments this year, uh, obviously before pandemic it was, you know, the Super Sad Days at the pub, but post yeah. that it's been how important to me and I think to a lot of people um, the sanity of having a Zoom chat with with good mates, and some some Saturdays, none of us say anything. Some Saturdays it'll be a, a riot, but Turns it, it, it's, it, but yes. it, it's just <laughs> the fact that as football fans, it's brought us together. And through this screen where we all look at each other right now, um, people who honestly, without it, would be much much worse off, myself included. And I think that's a, a great thing, and I hope I hope that's been able to touch other people's lives as well throughout it. So I think it's a very important thing to, to dwell on when we talk about moments of the year, and it's one I hadn't even thought of till you you, you mentioned something nice, Ollie. So well done. Quite beautiful. Well done, boys. Right. So from something positive, we'll go to the negative stuff. <laughs> uh, most errors this year. Val Holmes, thirty-eight, and a lot of them were unforced. Poor old Val. Uh, yeah. Sabra. Jason Saab, 37, uh, when he had hands for feet for the first 10 rounds, he really... Yeah, I reckon it was the space of about six weeks. He would have made about 15 or 20 yeah. of them. Yeah, that's <laughs> terrible. Tupo, Travojevic, 31 errors. Uh, does make the, uh, the all the lists. And Xavier Coates, yes. 31. Cole Felt as well, 31. There's a lot of wingers in there, obviously. Um, says something for the you know, kick pressure and high ball stuff. High balls, yeah. I remember for a little while this year, just on Valentine Holmes making those errors whenever we'd be at the pub and the Cowboys game was on. I, I sort of had an idea he'd be up there in errors because um, I remember every time he used to drop the ball, I used to say a million dollars has just dropped that ball. So now I remember yeah. Sabra used to cop it as well. He used to yeah. every time yeah. the ball went up, we'd be like, oh, he, he couldn't, uh, ball, he couldn't hold it. onto a ball. Yeah. We, we were questioning if he'd get a try at all in the season after the first couple of weeks because. Um, because you just couldn't hold on to the ball, yeah. It's amazing what talent inside does. Penalties. Yeah. Penalties. This one's a bit of a, a meme, as yeah. the people would say. It's who you expect. It's Jack Everington from the Bulldogs, everybody. He's given away 17 penalties this year and probably been uh, seen being put on report or sent off at least 10 times out of those 17. Um, but he's not far and away in first because in second, with 16 penalties given away, Another repeat offender, um, at least in recent years, is Jaderia Hargreaves from the Roosters, who's probably had one of his better years of the season. And then uh, rounding out the top five, we have your man, Daggy, Luke Brooks, uh, Britton Acora from the Sharks as well. Some good bit of representation there. And everyone's favourite player, Matthew Lodge from the Warriors, all on 15. I reckon Nakora would have been offside 10 times just because he's (laughs) running out of the line like an idiot. And I'll just speak... Brooks is probably in that 15, I reckon, is eight strips. <laughs> so now we're going on to handling errors, which um, obviously has a strong correlation with errors to begin with. But the leader of that one, again, is Valentine Holmes with 35 handling errors. And then Jason Saab 
with 32. Uh, Tommy's jumped up a place between errors and handling errors, and he's up into 29 handling errors with Xavier Coates and Daniel Tupo with 27. Exact same five as the errors, just yeah, just mixed around around a little bit. Yeah, so it's time, boys. Couple to wrap up with. So, coach of the year, this is a an interesting one because there's a few angles you can look at this. What have you done, Ollie? I've gone with Trent Robinson from the Sydney Roosters. I, I don't think he's gotten coach of the year in a little while, but in the past when he has gotten the award, it's been probably because the Roosters won the grand final in the upcoming week or they just won the minor premiership. But this time um, it shows what he can do as a coach when he hasn't got that all-star roster with players out injured. The Roosters have just consistently pushed on and on. And I guess it's represented in the fact that Daggy's actually tipping the Roosters to win this week and we're not against Manly and we're not all up in arms thinking how are the Roosters possibly going to win Manly it is actually feasible despite Manly having a full strength squad and the best player in the competition well someone who apparently makes a lot of errors um, <laughs> going up against that and a lot of that comes down to the coaching of Trent Robinson undoubtedly I said during the preview show that Robinson would have a plan for Trebojevic. So it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out this weekend. But he's just that type of coach. You can tell he's an, intel- an intelligent person as well. Um, and that would definitely feed into it. So, yeah, I personally can't go past Robbo. I went with Trent Robinson as well for all the reasons you've mentioned. I'd have a lot more to add. Uh, and after this week, I would have uh, Bellamy and Bennett two and three. But, yeah, what you said of Robbo is exactly right. You take, uh, I think it's like close to $4 million worth of salary cap out of any team and not just um, not just uh, bodies on bodies. They're uh, New South Wales halfbacks. They're New South Wales forwards. They're all-time great wingers. And uh, to still get potentially a game away from a grand... Well, not potentially, but to get within a game of a, game of a grand final... Is an incredible effort, so full kudos to him and maybe full kudos as an extension to just how good Jason, uh, Jason, uh, James Tedesco is at this stage. So, um, yeah, Robbo on top for me as well, Barn. Absolutely. Um, I'm just going to play the other angle and I'm going to go with Bellamy. Uh, there's been plenty of times this year where he's had nowhere near a full-strength roster as well. Yep. Uh, and he's gotten by with Munster out, Hughes out, Pappenhausen out. He's t- He just consistently turns blokes who are plotters at other clubs into out-and-out first graders. And if they're not out-and-out first graders, they're superstars. He takes fullbacks and turns them into halfbacks. Like Jerome Hughes was a fullback a couple of years ago. What, year and a half, two years ago? An absolute fullback. Didn't look like he had a passing game. Now one of the best kicking and passing halfbacks running around playing the game. Uh, just the way he's got a game plan for every team that he comes up against. The way week in, week out, he just gets the job done no matter what's thrown at him. Bellamy, to me, he's close to the best coach I've ever seen and he. To be honest, I think he may be the best coach I will ever watch. Well, and the thing is, when you uh, when you really think about it, he would have lost over the various weeks, not as long term, but just as much cattle as um, as Robert. Yeah, not did. for extended parts of the season, but at different times of the year. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's made do. He's put Plus the he's in. And just the way he improves players that. Have come from clubs like you watch Nick Meany go through the roof in the yeah. next year or two. Oh yeah, like, 
And Nico the flip side Hines is you watch, is um, but also from, you, you watch know? where Nico goes next year. Like it's it's a lot on. Yeah. There's a there's a cliff for Nico to fall off. We've you know you go I can go all the way back to Adam Blair. You can um, there's blokes that leave the club and uh, disappear as well. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I can't can't dispute that. But I assume give it to them both. Be, they can both have. They the can be joint. Issues. That's fine. I'll yeah, do a, I'll not? do a nice. Pretty graphic for all that. Now it's time, boys. The Dagiums. So for 25 rounds, going back to round one, so all these nights. Oh, we missed the first three. We did miss the first three. We did skip the first three. We, we brought well, We started later. Round, we cracked the shits three, about something. We cracked the sh- I think yeah. I cracked the shits about it. So About the Dallium Awards. Yeah, yes, we did. <laughs> uh, about how preposterous they were. So that all being said, I'm sure we're going to finish pretty close to the mark. But... Um, 22 rounds between the Grey Gums Hotel, the Colony Hotel, my back deck, Barney's Garage, <laughs> uh, Zoom for the last three months. Uh, every game, every week, we've given our genuine opinions, right or wrong. And so we've stood by these, and I think these are this is a very interesting and fair res- reflection of that. And I'm looking forward to doing it next year from round one, because that would be interesting too. So, Absolutely. Uh, I think we all know the... Um, <laughs> Who our obvious picks are, but any any guesses just before I start this? Any any black dark horses you'd throw up? Any anything you might finish in it? We've got I've got the top twenty here, courtesy of GT, and we didn't do our salute slap and co from the first show, but I actually want to give a special salute to GT nice. for tracking this all year because he yes, we didn't ask absolutely. him to, he offered and started, did. and I'm very glad he did because. We probably sure doing this show it. right now, right? Yeah. And uh, we've got we'll be doing another show uh, in a couple of weeks with uh, all our stats and uh, the other stuff, the uh, the dill dogs and all the other stuff. <laughs> the mispronounced teams. Uh, we'll have fun with. Yeah. But uh, any, any any you reckon there's any dark horses in the top twenty that we may have missed? I think Jerome Hughes might surprise a few people. I mm-hmm. think he'll be up a lot higher than um, a lot of people would expect. Mm-hmm. <sighs> There was a period there, actually, I think during the middle of the year when Munster was having his stinky period, but I think he actually got a, th- a few three-point games in a row, so not a bad shout. Cheese might be sure. up a little bit higher than a few people think. Yeah. Um, other than that, maybe someone like a Cam Murray or an Angus Crichton might have collated a few points, but I can't think of anybody no, that's else. That's fine. Now, what... Oh, sorry to interrupt. I was going to say, I think he'd be sort of up there anyway, but I feel like we could be surprised as to how high Cherry Evans finishes because mm-hmm. I think there have been weeks where Tommy's Absolutely. only gotten the two and uh, Cherry Evans has gotten the three. Uh, whether we've needed a bit of convincing from someone or not, I think there has... I know it's hard to say, but Cherry Evans would just about have been at least in the top three Um as much as Tom Trevojevic this year for us, I think he has oh, had an amazing cool. year, and I think yeah, he he's, he was definitely going to be up there anyway, but he he could be pushing sort of top five, yeah. maybe. I think we recognised him much better than the general public did. Oh, in terms of um, week in week out, oh, Isaiah yeah, would probably be someone that would would have got a lot more points than most people would have thought. Yep. Uh, I just want to quickly ask you, because we'll get started. We've, we've managed to somehow track this out much longer than I thought it would as well. <laughs> uh, we didn't need those shitty stats. But anyway, um, which players bought you the most? If you would look back for 10 seconds over the last 
season. Which player do you reckon's bought you the most joy? As a shark supporter, William Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Um, he's been well and above what anybody thought William Kennedy was going to do this year. As a shark supporter, he's been close to our best week in, week out. Um, Brian Tao, I absolutely love watching Brian Tao play the game of football. Cam Murray, as everyone knows, I've got a man crush on Cam Murray and Desire Yo would probably be my top four that I enjoy watching week after week and just just, just watch them every set of six. They do something every set of six. Yep. I'm going to, yeah, well, I'll say, and I only brought this up because we mentioned a couple of good moments we, we, we've shared over, over Zoom lately, but uh, Latrell, definitely, apart from mm-hmm. his dumb shit in between, but... Uh, <laughs> I love Latrell at his best, uh, Mr. Fodawaker, just the fun we've had with him, but yeah, also just how him, great mate. he's been uh, and the fun. games he's won and how proud of him I was during Origin and all that <laughs> sort of stuff. Uh, he's definitely up there. And uh, I would say beyond that, it's uh, the Cheese. Uh, yeah. Cheese is, I, to my to my mind, the, the best hooker in the game right now. And Absolutely. being on him first try scorer many times, being... Able to just turn around to the kids and just go cheeseburger. Has <laughs> <laughs> uh, brought me much joy. So, uh, so that's been good as well, Ollie. Yeah. So, as a Titans fan, um, out of the the Titans roster, I'd actually have to say Corey Thompson. Just the consistency every single week, uh, the defensive prowess in an otherwise absolutely horrible defensive um, defensive edges. He, he's carried all four of them. Um, but yeah, it's just, you want someone who's going to give a hundred percent each week in your side and someone who I guess encapsulates that for the Titans would have to be Corey Thompson. He's done so no matter if he's playing on the wing in the centers at fullback, no matter where you stick him, if you had to chuck him in the front row, he, he probably did do a job. Um, he would be great, but he, he'd he'd no, that's the thing. He'd have a crack. <laughs> and, um, so as a Titans fan, I, I love watching Corey Thompson, but in general, overall, I have to go Jerome Luai. Um, just also, it's not only um, his footballing ability, of course, for a while, that um, that play he'd do with Matt Burton was like playing rugby league live on easy. It yeah. was just absolutely crazy. But also his, his antics off the field and that. It's good to see people like to complain that there's no characters in rugby league anymore. I think there still are, but they're just, oh, they obviously act different to how blokes did in the eighties and that. And I think him and the likes of the cheese are at the forefront of that. And it's, it's funny the impact at least that he's had in the Penrith area. Cause I have a couple of friends who don't really watch rugby league at all. They're not invested in it at all, but they know everything about Jerome Luai purely because of his social media and the stuff he gets up to. And I think he's a, he's a Twitch streamer as well. Um, yes. And they, they've gotten to know him through that. And he's, he's many people who I know his favorite player and I understand why. Great chat. Uh, all right, boys, it's time for the Dag EMs. Again, thanks to GT, a massive supporter of us. Let's kick off the top 20. So jump in any time. Three, two, one votes across 20, yeah. Two are rounds. these, sorry to interrupt, are these uh, 20 up in order? Because I know GT said he'd send the, didn't he, did he send the top so these five are in order? 22, the uh, these are in order. Top 20. Okay. Top, yeah. 20 top 20 in, in order. order. Okay. And then the top five, just the points. So I can give, give you yeah, the points. Yeah, there was points. no points oh. for the bottom yeah. 15. So okay. you just didn't bother filling in. So at 20, yep. uh, my rookie of the year, Sam Walker, comes in number 20. Isaiah Papaihi, number 19. Nico Hines, 18. 17 is the Wizard, Harry Grant, uh, which is a fair effort given he missed. He probably only played 12 games all year. 
Kalen Ponga, 16. James Tedesco, surprisingly low at 15. Number 14, Roger Tuvasa-Shek, which is a fair effort, given he fucked off about three months ago. He did have an absolute run there for about six weeks. Outstanding. Easily the Warriors' best, yeah. Number 13, David Fafita. Yeah. Number 12, Clint Gutherson. Number 11, Mitchell Moses. Okay. The top 10 kicks off. Latrell Mitchell at 10. Yeah, that's pretty fair, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One of the superstar fullbacks of the game probably doesn't get the necessary workhorse points we sometimes look for, but uh, a freak. He does go missing when he wants to. (laughs) Mm. And there there was games he played against geeks where we were hoping and he just didn't turn up. Yep. Number nine. Payne Haas. Warhorse. Number eight, Adam Dewey. Not surprising. He when generally when the Tigers won, he was close to their best, if not their best player. So Yeah. And punched above his weight as a result. Absolutely. Number seven, the Bizzer. Brian Tuo. Whoa, I thought guaranteed top five just because of how many points he got in that first half of the year. Yeah, well, I think we dropped off a little bit. Uh, we got a bit too Origin, and bit. then he was injured for a bit. There was a couple of weeks we were arguing why he didn't get a point. but <laughs> I'll suspect, yeah, a couple of the ones that we didn't give may have cost him higher. May have. Uh, number six, the cheese, Brandon Smith. Cool. I think the yeah the preeminent hooker in the comp right now and was outstanding and I think uh, injury wise if he'd stayed on a couple other weeks he'd probably get three here and there. Number five on twenty three points so I can give you the the full points of this top five. Nathan Cleary. Okay. Nothing to add. Okay, I'll just keep going. No, I, okay. I think we he may have we may have given him a one here and there where he possibly could have got yeah, a two. But I think we may have been a bit critical. At times, and of course, he, he he missed the chunk of the season that he did. But yeah, mm. well, he was red. Yeah, the early. back end of the season where he wasn't in didn't help. There's yeah. probably six to ten points that. Number four, and I, I would be super interesting to see how those first three rounds would have next year. Obviously, it will. But yeah, number four on twenty five points, two points ahead of the New South Wales halfback, Jerome Hughes. Yeah, very cool. Yeah, uh, was sensational, a breakout year, and uh, obviously the new, the new Kiwi halfback, but just a fantastic footballer. Number three on 26 points, Cody Walker. Ooh. Now, number two is the one you said that was going to be a shock, right? That's, uh... Yeah, you didn't on Cody, you're just going to brush past. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> now we on again. Number two, Ollie. The Oracle has struck. Oh, because running second in the first ever Daggy M's, Daly Cherry Evans on 27 points. Uh, very well called, Ollie, but um, at least we saw uh, that he was what he was worth. And, and um, the more I think about this, he might run quite high in the Daly M's. I think, um, he's, I think he'll get top he's 10. Gonna get, he have to get top 10 because he's going to get – he might even – Have uh, to get top 10. He's going to get, get two points in all one. those games that uh, – mm. Someone else gets one, but the <laughs> inaugural Daggy M medalist season 2021, Tom Travojevic, 33 points from, I believe 15 it was 15 games. games. Yeah. So he would have got three points in a 
in I'd say ten of them. Eleven. 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 Yeah. Well, whatever. I th- I, and, yeah, at least ten. Yeah. And that would suggest that in Daly M voting, we purposely went out out of our way a couple of times to go the other way. So maybe Daly's numbers are bumped <laughs> a little bit. But the inaugural Daggy M medalist is Tom Travojevic by a clear margin, two second, uh, and possibly a clear margin back further. So congratulations, Tom Travojevic. I don't know if I have to send him anything. Yeah. <laughs> enough money, I, think you, I think you'll get enough. I think hey, he's all right. What can you send the man that has it all? <laughs> photo of myself. The signed photo of the daggy. <laughs> uh, so there it is. Uh, any thoughts? Anything to add? No, absolutely no surprise who won it. Um, I think we, we may have been a little bit generous towards um, DCE yeah. Yeah. at different points in during the year, and we may have been a little bit critical of the, the two players from Penrith with Cleary and Toto, where they could have possibly scored a few points and missing the first two rounds. There's possibly a couple of points could have made a few differences. I suspect probably but Tommy was always going to win it. So yeah, I suspect uh, if Nathan may have picked up another six or so if we'd done yeah. the first few, but hey, we will be next year. I can guarantee that. Uh, anyone, anyone's you surprised missed out altogether? Would have thought Mo would have gone mm. close to the top twenty. You wouldn't uh, wouldn't be surprised if he's that far out. But the awards only named this. after him. <laughs> I think um, I've been close. Tino probably would have been close yeah. issues. Well. Yeah, yeah. Y- yeah. And uh, yeah, the only other one, Luciano, may have. Uh, he probably yeah. a lot of ones, I'd say. And well, is and is that Yo? I think. Well, Yo and yeah, Murray. Yo's one that, honestly, Yo and Murray are one that they're, 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 they're the, two the two that do surprise me they didn't make yeah. the top 20. But it, um, obviously, we made, we'll, we'll, <laughs> this is our starting point, and I, I think it's pretty fair, to be honest. I think we've gone close. I, at least too, the top, I, I couldn't possibly argue. At least argue. in that top 10, I, I can't see too many people arguing with our top 10 players from this season. I so. wouldn't think so. And Oh, you know who has... Missed out, I believe, unless I've already forgotten he was a bit lower. Um, Joey Manu. Was yes. he? No, no, Manu. He would add no, to Manu. Manu he Tedesco spent a lot of time both. in the centres where he didn't. Um, yeah, I, I think he, he, picked, a lot of I think impact, he had a run. I, I wouldn't be surprised. He did have a run. If, if Cleary's 23, I'm guessing. I'm guessing you need sort of 15 to get into the top. He, he wouldn't be far off. I, I reckon yeah. he'd be the next. He might have been the next, next name on the list, but I unfortunately don't have yeah. that info. And I guess in terms of because we've obviously started the Daggy M's to not prove how much a fast the Daly M medal is, but to sort of show that there can be that bit of bias in there. I feel like the biggest difference and the biggest example we're going to have to show for this, I genuinely think is Jerome Hughes in third. I would not be surprised if he, not that he doesn't deserve it, but I wouldn't be surprised if he, if he doesn't get, Top 10, top 10 in yeah. the in the Daly M rankings. Oh, and I think Cheese, top actually, you know who will be higher, I think, in the Daly M's will be Cheese. I think he could go yeah. close to being... And Munster, I guarantee you Munster ends up in their top 12. Yeah, because they he love didn't end up much. in ours because yeah. they just, you know, it's it's easy to just go, oh, the superstar, he was the best. No, he wasn't even close to the best, no. but <laughs> no, that's right. I think we're much more considered voting system. I'm pretty happy with that. I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty proud of that. Uh, I think we've done well, and I think that's... Well, I hope if you've stuck around, I hope you've enjoyed the show, but I think next year will be bigger and better for the Dagiems, and we'll give it some more thought, potentially, and um, hopefully not get too tried, too sidetracked with thinking 3-1 to one and keep what we do well and what especially the old Barnster does well in terms of analysing a game 
and uh, I think we have a bit more fun uh, with it next year. Absolutely. Who's going to win it? Who's going to win it next year? Who's going to win next year? Oh. Quick prediction, just off, off top of our heads. Who's winning it next year? Benji Marshall. <laughs> Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> he weren't even going to start the NRL. <laughs> um, uh, oh, Jesus. Let's save that for a bold prediction show. So, bold prediction okay. show. We also we want Dagiems, not just Dagiems, we want Dagiems. And for those that haven't listened, go back and listen. If you listen now, go to our Spotify feed and go back to the bold prediction show. It was the end of last year. It was a lot of fun. We're going to do the same thing this year. We'll get a special guest. Gumpy's keen to get whether it's Gump, whether we get. We're going to uh, go back and we'll be accountable wacky. for what we've said, and we'll. We're gonna, the, no, the ticks we don't have to be accountable for bold prediction, no, but we'll yes, be accountable for both. <laughs> and we will see who wins the fabled bold prediction because there's some guest bold predictions. Oh, and the best guest bold prediction wins does win a plug. I will put. I will absolutely put my money in my mouth. Is with that. Uh, but a lot to look forward to there. Uh, it's been a lot of fun, boys. I will let you both go because I've got to go do uh, show us your tips for. Rupert Clark's Stakes Day at Caulfield. So looking forward to that. But uh, thank you, guys. Thank you, everyone that's listened. Thank you, GT, especially. Absolutely outstanding what he's done in documenting everything this year. He'll be on soon. He might be a fun one for the Bold Prediction Show. I think someone like Dana would be good for Bold Prediction Show. Someone uh, a bit outside the box. His power prediction would be interesting. He'd probably go more negative than positive. Yeah, no, I think Dana might be a good one for that. He'll turn up in his... uh, Smoking jacket and underwear. <laughs> but uh, thank you, boys. Been a pleasure. Thank you, listeners. Thank you, Lionsmen. Thank you, all boys. Good we'll evening, Talk gentlemen. to everyone after the footy this week. Stay safe, guys. See you soon. <laughs>